0: Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church Podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Are you ready for today's message? Okay. Uh, if you want to follow along, text the word sermons to 94,000. We are in week six of as in the days of Noah. I'm going to do a quick recap. I'm going to do my best. You ready, Star? And your mark, set, go. All right, here we go. We're discussing the return of Christ. Hallelujah. And what that means when Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, he said, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of of the Son of Man, be. This is a description Jesus is giving about when he returns for his church. And they were asking him, What does it look like? And he related it to Noah in his day. Why did he relate it to Noah? Because Noah and the ark was a picture of rescue. The ark was a picture of salvation. The ark is not just a cute little thing that they teach you in Sunday school where you got a giraffe and a hippo and all this stuff. No, no, no. The ark was a rescue mission, and Jesus one day will return for his church to rescue it from what we did on this earth. How many of you know we've caused a lot of chaos and drama on this planet? We've created this mess. God did not create this mess. We did it. The enemy used all different forms to create this mess. So the words that you need to know is eschatology. It's a study of the end. Everyone has an eschatological viewpoint, whether you realize it or not. You have an idea of what the end looks like. But the other big word was convergence, and this was important because we are the first generation in history to see all the events at one time taking place that Jesus described. There have been snippets here and there peppered throughout history. We're the first generation to have it all going on at the same time, which is a sign of the end. So there are seven weeks. We're going to, we talked about earthly signs, heavenly signs, spiritual signs, technological signs, archeological signs. And then there are two left political signs and economic signs. So in week one, we talked about earthly signs, which unfortunately is still going on. We see it all the time. Um, I, I mentioned last week the Mississippi River is drying up, the Euphrates River is drying up. Instead, there are rivers running in the desert in the Saharan desert, which the Bible describes would happen: how there would be rivers running in deserts, which has never happened before. Uh, there's there's Pakistan who was completely underwater for like a month. All sorts of things have been happening throughout the earth. Along with that, there's been heat waves. Uh, Hurricanes have been a strange thing for the past 10 years and tornadoes unfortunately are still happening. We just had one yesterday in Texas, Uh, damaged a lot of stuff, damaged a lot of things and hurt a lot of people. Um, These sorts of things are happening all over the world all the time in Hawaii right now. They're monitoring a volcano that they think might explode. This is just something that is going on perpetually all the time and science relates it to climate change. But Jesus said it was the beginning of sorrows. So you can call it whatever you want to call it, but I'm going to call it what Jesus called it. The beginning of sorrows. It's not the end. It's just a sign of the beginning of sorrows. The point was that he said, these things are going to happen so that you would recognize that you need God to get your heart right with God. If you're not following God, you can't live your life your own way. And Jesus didn't do this to scare people, but rather to inspire us to choose him over everything. Amen. In Genesis 6, it had never rained before. People didn't know that a, what a flood was. People didn't know what rain was. They didn't understand this concept. So when it happened, it caught them off guard. And there's an entire generation right now of people who don't understand that Jesus is coming back who don't understand what the return of Christ is and what it looks like. Instead, you have a bunch of church leaders arguing over what it looks like instead of just looking at what Jesus said and say, hey, this is the message. This is the message, this is what Jesus said. Have your heart ready, be prepared, right? In week two, we talked about technological signs. In Genesis four sixteen. it says, Then Cain went from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. And all this stuff started to happen. They built a city. Uh, cattle ranching became known. Uh, instruments were being built. Blacksmithing was a thing. Construction. This was called the New Age. This happened before uh, Before the flood took place, this was all the things that were going on. And then what we understood is that these were all first. These were origins of industries. These were technological advances. And it relates to us in the way that we realize of what's going on in our society today. Um, And we're seeing updates all the time. And they're just hard to follow. But artificial intelligence has become such a huge thing. Um, They're putting it in fighter jets in China, uh, Boston Dynamics. It has created robots that pretty much can do more than any human can do. Synchron has put a, a chip in someone's mind in order to interface with artificial intelligence. Neuralink uh, tried to do it first. That's Elon Musk's company, but Synchron beat him to it. And CRISPR is the people that are messing with our DNA. They're, they're trying to map the DNA in a way that they can modify it genetically to where they can potentially remove diseases. But if they can remove something, you better believe they want to try and put something in its place. So there's all kinds of stuff going on there. In Revelations 13, we see the unholy Trinity appear. We see the dragon, which is the devil, the first beast, which is the antichrist, the second beast, which is the false prophet. And they make an image. This is what it says. They make an image of the first beast and they give the image life. Now we can try to decipher that in a spiritual supernatural sense, but it almost makes more sense to realize that this could possibly be technologically based, uh, that they might create something one day that they said, look, we created a new race. We created a new species. Signs and wonders will follow these people, these false prophets. And a lot of it is, is curious to think that maybe those signs and wonders are also technologically based. The Antichrist is going to get killed and then resurrect. How do you do that unless you're God? Well, what if he's not human to begin with? What if it's something they can repair technologically? There's a lot of questions about that. It's very interesting. But the most important thing about it in Revelation 14, it talks about what it will be like in the end, right before God destroys the earth, because yes, God is going to destroy The earth, we know that for a fact. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Someone say amen to that. In the end, God is going to send three angels to preach all over the earth in order to give people one last chance before he destroys the earth. He's going to send angels to preach. Wrap your mind around that. He is trying to rescue every single person. And unfortunately, people will still reject him. But that's still the goodness of God, that even in the last days, he's going to reach out with an olive branch, give another opportunity, give another chance. That's his grace. That's his mercy. That's what it really looks like. Unfortunately, not everyone wants what God offers. In week three, we talked about heavenly signs. This was the fun one. We talked about the giants, the Nephilim, the fallen angels, and what they did, how they tried to corrupt the race. Uh, We learned that these are the same spirits that people deal with today. Because in Ephesians, it talks about we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities in dark places. We are wrestling against unseen things that are there in a realm that we cannot see with the naked eye, but you better believe we can feel it. If you've ever gone through spiritual warfare, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been woken up in the middle of the night because of a a terrifying demonic dream, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in a situation where you're praying and you feel something pushing against you, you know what I'm talking about. That's spiritual warfare. That's, That's something that you cannot see, you cannot make up, you cannot explain. But Ephesians explains it very clearly. You need to put on the armor of God. You need to put on the full armor of God every single day. Why? So that you can stand against the devil. You see, we always want Jesus to come and rescue us and intervene and and fix it, but he has given us the power, the ability, the understanding to stand up and take our place. Whatever you battle with daily, understand this, that the enemy wants nothing more than to disrupt your calling and your relationship with God. He'll let you stay in church as long as you want, as long as you're not committed. Fool, I'm talking about. But the moment you get fully committed to the Lord, guess what? Things start happening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Stuff starts breaking down. House starts falling apart. Kids start getting sick. Job goes crazy. All these things begin to Erupt Because when you begin to take your place of authority spiritually, the enemy starts to fight back. And he does not have access to your life unless you give him access to your life. That's another message. Why did the fallen angels do this? Because they knew the prophecy of Genesis 315, where God gave the first prophetic word in the whole Bible, and he prophesied to Satan. And he said... I'm going to send someone to crush your head. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. In other words, God's first prophecy ever in the scripture was to tell Satan that one day he's going to send his son to kill him. So he had to come up with a plan. He created the, this race of people that were called the Nephilim, the giants. We discovered the hundreds of scriptures describing the Nephilim and what they were, that giants were a real thing. There's another giant. We talked about it, and it's already been 10 minutes, Star, come on. <laughs> She's like, I thought those were antlers. I'm like, what is she doing? <laughs> She's just like, ah. I'm like, okay, Star's trying to distract me. Okay, it's been 10 minutes. I can count, sorry. At men's night, we talked about it. It was wonderful, it was powerful how Caleb went to the promised land and he was like, we can do this. And everybody was like, but there's giants there. They were scared of these things. And Caleb was different. He said, no, 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 God's with us, we can do this. You see, giants were such a normal thing. I'll skip a bunch of stuff. Jesus, later on, when he walks the earth, the first being, he identifies himself with, or the first being that identifies who he is, is actually a demon. It's actually one of these fallen spirits. They recognized who he was. Jesus declared his lordship to Satan first in, in the wilderness when he was getting tempted. He didn't go to a person. He said, no, no, no. You better be careful who you tempt. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? Right? And then later on, we see that Jesus went and preached to these fallen angels, the one who committed this sin, the ones who tried to create this race to uh, pollute the bloodline so that Christ would never be born. And Jesus goes and preaches to them in prison because that's where they are. They're chained up. And Jesus said, here I am. Pretty funny. I love how Jesus was sarcastic all the time. If you read the scripture long enough, you realize that Jesus was extremely sarcastic. Extremely. It's pretty cool. We learned that the disregard for all things holy will increase in our generation. This is a real thing. If you haven't noticed, people don't like Christians anymore. Have you noticed that? People don't like God anymore. People don't like religion anymore. People don't like, uh, uh, what's the word? sanctification anymore? Like when have we heard a message about sanctification in the last decade? Right? Everybody's like, what is that? Exactly. But what does it say about you as a parent in this generation? What does it say about you as a leader? What does it say about you as a Christ follower? It's the greatest compliment that God could give us, that he would choose us to raise children during this time, to lead the church during this time, and to be a follower of Jesus during this time. Amen. We were called for such a time as this to impact the earth. Don't run in fear and hide under a rock because the world's going crazy. No, no, no. That's the message that Jesus was trying to give us. The world is going to go crazy and we're the ones to help lead the way to the right destination. Amen. In Matthew 10, 1, he calls the disciples to him and he said, I give you power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and diseases. Boom. Who has the power over these spiritual beings? We do. Who has the power over sickness in our homes? We do. It's time to start speaking to those things and commanding those things to leave. All right. I feel that. Let's go. Talk. Week four, another fun one. Talked about archaeological signs. Talked about the Tower of Babel and all these great pyramids and, and artifacts and ruins and the ziggurats and crazy. And they're like, how did these things get built? No one can figure out how they got built. They, they were done with such precision. The, the, the amount of weight that these stones were were just so insane. You're talking about 40 tons one rock and it was cut perfectly in a, in a, in a, uh, I don't even know how to, I'm not a geometrist guy, but you know, big old piece like that, like an obelisk, I think is what it's called, like perfectly cut, precise, 40 tons, and they would move them 10, 11 miles. How? They couldn't figure out how they could do this. It would have required a lot of technology. They don't understand how people thousands of years ago had this technology. And then there are some, some of these temples that were dug into the ground, into the rock in one piece, but they're massive and intricate and look like they were done with lasers. And they're like, there were no lasers thousands of years ago. How did they do this? And it's puzzled archaeological, archaeological people for generation after generation, and every new generation finds more. And what they realized is when they started using lasers to fly above these areas and they would look down through the lasers, they could see past the trees, and they've identified 60,000 structures in the Amazon forest that has not been touched in thousands of years. They estimate 20 million people probably live there, but nobody's there. There's no bones, there's no artifacts. Where'd they go? How did this happen? Why do they all look similar? How come the carvings on them are very intricate but also look very similar to the same thing that are like across the world? They're all holding these weird bags. It looks like a purse. I swear. It's really funny. I don't, I don't understand. Like it looks like a purse. It's, it's like a clutch, you know. They were going to the mall. I don't understand. And God was giving them something. I don't understand. He'll indicate and say, hey, if I draw a purse, you do it too. Like What? No, how did this happen? So that was the the big question. But the Bible refers a lot to the high places in Scripture. And in fact, there was a man named Josiah who became king at eight years old. And God said, I'm going to give you an assignment. Your job is to tear down all these high places in Israel. You see, there was a lot of them in Israel, and God tore them all down. He left the rest of them all over the world. But there was a lot of these high places in Israel, and Josiah's responsibility was to tear them down, kill the priest who fell away from God, and led people to these gods, crush their bones, and then burn them. (laughs) Brutal. 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 See, sometimes God's justice is just as brutal as his love is furious and fierce and powerful. Understand how much God loves us now. Flip how insane his justice must be that he would tell Josiah to do such a thing, to send a message to anyone who worshiped these fallen gods. So you can't find them in Israel because he tore them down, but they're still everywhere else in the world. The theory that I gave you was that these were all built by these Nephilim, these giants, these fallen angels, and we can go on and on and on. But in Revelation 12, we find out that God is into building stuff too. He's building us a city, right? He's building the new heaven, right? He's building an actual structure. It's 1400 miles by 1400 miles, about 250 miles in the air. It's amazing. the understanding that we have about heaven that we were taught when we were kids about the pearly gates and the the streets of gold is not the current heaven. We learned that. The current heaven, who knows what it looks like? It's not described. The heaven that we think of in our mind is the new heaven that he's building now. That's what the Bible describes. It's going to be a beautiful place. But nevertheless, he's not dwelling in temples anymore. He said, there will be no temple in the new heaven because we are his temple. There will be no moon in the new heaven. There will be no sun in the new heaven. Why? Because he is the light, the Bible says. It's going to be glorious, beautiful. I cannot wait. Last week, we talked about spiritual signs. We talked about this idea about deconstruction. People are living their life right now Uh, upset with the church, upset with leadership, upset with their experience in church. Trust me, I've been there too, been through it. But these people, instead of running to God, they're running to other sources and they're starting to quote-unquote deconstruct their faith. In other words, in layman's terms, they're falling away. Uh, They look at it as they're being enlightened, but the scripture describes it as becoming apostate, falling away and deconstruction has become a new religion. It's become the new popular thing for Christians to become. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really a part of the church anymore. I'm just deconstructing my faith right now because it's healthy. No, it's deception. Because the reality is, I will fail you. The person sitting next to you will fail you. If you blame that on God, you've missed the point of the church. And people are falling away from the church because they had a bad experience with a person. So I'm here to encourage you this morning. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to fail you. We're all not going to live up to everything we're trying to do because none of us are perfect. But that doesn't mean that gives you license to go then and say, oh, see, none of that was real. Really? In, first, in second Thessalonians, it talks about this. It talks about the great apostasy. It says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, here it is, about the return of Jesus Christ and our gathering together of him, we ask you not to be shaken. Don't be shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, Jesus will not come. Unless the falling away comes first, boom. When we see this happening, it's because it has to happen. Because God is going to separate the real from the fake. That just has to happen. I don't know about you, but I really don't like being around people who are fake all the time. (laughs) <laughs> little, amen. little I, I, I value authenticity. I'd much rather you get the real me than, than some sort of actor version of me. And I'd, I'd expect the same from you. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people who like to just, you know, pretend like they're good people and going to church and, and are Christians because that's what they're supposed to do. No, 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 that's not what Christ asked of us. He asked for us to lay down our lives. He asked for 100% total devotion, that our life is no longer our own. We belong to him. We are now slaves to Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's freedom. That is true freedom. But he said the return of Christ cannot happen until the falling away comes first. Yet another sign that we're in the last days. The second thing we learned about was being lukewarm. In Revelation 13, it talked about this. He said, man, I wish you were hot or cold. Don't ever be lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, I'm just going to vomit you out of my mouth. Oof. What does that mean? That's, that's, unfortunately, and I talked about it, that's the American church. Where we're not really, like, all in. We just like to dress up like we are. He's like, no, no, no. I'd rather you 100%... Follow Satan, then pretend. That's what God said. Because at least he knows you've chosen. And if you've chosen, there's still a chance we can reach out to you and pull you in. But the people who are pretending, oh, there's nothing worse. It got real quiet in here. (laughs) Because we all know someone like that, don't we? We all know people who just have the form of godliness but have denied the real power of it. There's four things that need to happen before Christ returns. Number 1, they need to build they need to rebuild Solomon's temple the final time. Number 2, when they build it, the antichrist will appear and declare himself God in that temple. Number 3, remember the red heifers? <laughs> They need to find the red cows. You know, we talked about this. This is weird. And if they're perfect, they're going to sacrifice them, then spread their ashes in the proper place. That's another big thing that has to happen. And the most important, though, number four, the whole world has to hear the gospel. And that has not happened yet. How many remember Dr. Steve Mills? He preached for us last year. Yeah. Yeah. He was my, uh, one of our Bible professors in college. He, he has this saying that he still says. It's, it's pretty awesome. He says, Matt, I want to be the guy. I want to be the guy that knocks on the last door to the last house of the last person that needs to hear the gospel and then watch Christ come. He like, I want to be that guy. And that's why he's literally all over the world preaching, leading churches, uh, planting pastors, planting churches. He's all over the Middle East. It's crazy. And it's so true. I, I, I do, too. Like, I want to be that person. Hey, have you heard about Jesus yet? <laughs> because the end will not come until the whole world has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the church has been taught in America to just hold on until Jesus comes. Don't go anywhere. Just stay put. Meanwhile, Jesus is like it will not happen until you go and tell them. We've got it backwards, don't we? We've got it backwards. We talked about Khrislam. talked about the the new establishment of Khrislam between Judaism, Catholicism, and Muslims. And we talked about how they're trying to make this normal. They're building places of worship that all these three faiths can go in and worship together without issue. I gave you all the links. This is not a made-up thing. The Pope has met with the Imams and the, the rabbis, and this is what they're doing. We learn, though, that Islam rejects Jesus as Messiah. Judaism rejects Jesus as Messiah. And with all the other things that the Catholics actually worship, it would be quite easy for us to see that Jesus eventually would be rejected as Messiah. Now, I don't believe that's the case for most Catholic people, but when you're talking about the leadership, that's what they're trying to accomplish. It has to happen because it's part of the great falling away. It's part of the apostasy. That's a problem. We need to pray for our world. I could say a lot more about that, but I think I'm going to move on today. You ready? (laughs) How long was that, Star? Twenty five minutes. It's getting longer every week. Do me a favor, high five the person next to you and say, Get ready. All right, yeah, that was good. I like that. Awesome. Awesome. Get ready. In Acts twelve, twenty, it says this. You're ready for a great story? I love these stories. They're, they're, they're fun stories. You ready? I wonder if some of y'all have read this before. Acts 12, 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with in one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Can you imagine that? The king comes out dressed in his royal stuff. He's got the crown on. He's sitting there on the throne looking all regal. He speaks and they're like, yes, the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him. Because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. This is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> Where guys get eaten by worms. Because an angel touched him. Can someone praise the Lord about that? They're like, really? Why? I don't understand. Okay. Let me help you out. Today's message is about political signs that we are in the end. See, even the AC agrees with me. Political signs that we are in the end. Herod was one of those professional politicians. He understood what it meant to take his place, to look the part, to say the right stuff, to give the right answers. He's sitting there on his throne looking regal. And when he hears the praise that he's receiving, he knows better because he knows about this God. And when they start to worship him as God, he doesn't correct them. (laughs) Understand this, people. God will not be mocked. Let me stay here. Herod wanted glory for himself. He refused to acknowledge God that he alone gets the glory. So he was eaten by worms. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, the God of the Old Testament, you know, he'll just strike you dead if you don't do anything that you're supposed to do. Well, this is the New Testament. This is the book of Acts. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is after the blood of Jesus. This is is after grace and mercy and all these things. This is the New Testament. And believe it or not, this kind of thing happens more than once in the New Testament. We see it again with Ananias and Sapphira where they tried to buy the Holy Spirit. They said, how much does that cost? Woo, bad question. The Holy Spirit is not something you can buy. And then we see some other people who were lying about what they gave to the church. And Peter walked up and said, are you sure? Because the Holy Spirit is telling me you're lying. And they stood firm and said, no, we're telling you the truth. And they dropped dead. This is New Testament stuff. If you think God won't reach down and correct some people, think again. So when I say God cannot be mocked, trust me. You might think, oh, look at all these politicians. Look at all these rich people, and they got all this stuff, and they never have anything bad happen to them. We're the ones feeling it. Judgment will come. Understand that. Judgment will come, and we do not want to be a part of that because what they're going to have to endure is something that is unimaginable. Politicians... Who refuse to acknowledge God, but rather get the glory for themselves will be judged one day. So, we're gonna talk about another hot button topic. You know what Tuesday is? Did you vote? So I went and voted. It's not a fun thing to do. It's really not. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I will tell you what the scripture says. I will tell you how we should be looking at these people. I will tell you what is important on the heart of God. Because if you vote on your preferences, you might be voting amiss. If you vote based on the word of God, things are very different. And to be truthful with you, we don't have any great options. We just don't. America is a far cry of what it used to be 50 years ago. The politicians are a far cry of what they used to be. We don't really have, there's our guy. He stands for everything we believe in. No, no, no. Even if he says all the right stuff. See, a lot of people, they fall for the tricks of the politicians, right? Donald Trump was amazing at what he did. He, he's amazing at rallying people and getting people. I mean, if you look at his rallies, it's just like, wow. You go to Joe Biden, it's like everybody's taking a nap. It's just different, right? It's just so very, very different. The thing about Donald Trump is Because he's such a character that you see all of what he gives you, you almost have to look past it and look at the actual work and the record and the information that you can find. And so one of the main things, and we're going to get into it because this is who we are and this is what we're about. One of the main things that Christians stand on and believe and should believe is that we don't believe in abortion. We believe that that is a wrong thing. God has spoken very clearly. I've preached on it several times. It is such against the heart of God. There are all different sorts of alternatives to abortion. And a lot of times you'll see the Republicans, they'll they'll say the right thing. We're against abortion too, and that's their platform. And so you vote for them because of that, right? Donald Trump was great at this. Even though just 10, 15 years ago, he was a Democrat. I mean, 20 years ago, he was pals with the Clintons, like this was normal, right? Now he's our Republican candidate all the time, you know, speaking how we speak, saying the right stuff. But did you know that the funding for abortion actually went up during Donald Trump's years? Even though he was against it, the funding went up. How'd that happen? Well, because politics is politics. And even though he's president, he doesn't have his hands on everything. He says what he needs to say to get elected, right? Bottom line, that's how things run today. Things might have been different a long time ago, but that's how things run today. So it's actually very disappointing. So I remember one day I shared about it, and I was like, hey, everybody loves Donald Trump. This was right in the middle of his, you know, residency as president. Everything was great economy's doing good. Everybody had jobs. There was no inflation. Gas was cheap. We could eat brisket every weekend. We were happy. Now I had to go buy this little brisket like this. How did abortion funding go up right now? I don't understand. Can we not hold him accountable to what he said he would do? Everybody seemed to not like that, apparently, because everything was good in our country. Really? Just because everything seems good doesn't mean everything's good. And so what you have to understand is politics nowadays is a big game. What does the Bible say about us voting? Should we vote? Well, I did, so you know where I stand on that. But understand this. God did not create our political system. Man did. Right? God did not create this this monstrosity we called the two-party system in America. Yeah, see, he feels it. I feel you, brother. I feel you. So... Voting essentially is an endorsement you give to someone to say that you think they should lead the people, right? That's what it is. It's your pick. Say, yeah, he's probably a better option or she's probably a better option. Here's the thing, though. If you don't vote, then you don't get to have input in our system. In other words, don't complain if you didn't contribute, Right? Because as Americans, we do have something different than a lot of the countries in the world. We get to actually vote, right? Here's the thing. We have democracies in the world. We have republics in the world. We have monarchies in the world. We have dictatorships in the world. But you know what God's preference of government is? A theocracy. A theocracy. You know what a theocracy is? It's where God and God alone is king. Not a man, not a politician. This is what Israel had in the beginning. Israel had a true to them, theocracy. God would give instructions to them directly. He would share it with prophets and they would deliver the message and they would proceed with their life, their rules, their education, their information, their, their work. All of those things were based on a theocracy government perspective what happened to israel well they saw that all these other nations had kings and they wanted to be like these other nations and they were like god was like no nope, you don't want to be like them you think you want to be like them but kings create problems kings will take you to war kings will starve you but they insisted and insisted and they kept telling samuel talk to god we want a king. God finally said, fine, I'll give you a king. And so he gave them Saul, which is everything you want in a politician. He was tall. He was dark. He was handsome. He looked just like me. Why are y'all laughing? I don't understand. What's the joke? Uh, he was a warrior. He was popular. He was smart. The Bible said he was good looking. You see, describing me all over again. And he started out good. He started out with good intentions. He actually loved the Lord. But the kingdom went to his cabeza, went to his head. And he eventually started to lead people away from the Lord. And then God judged Saul harshly and said, I'm going to replace you with someone that's after my heart. And he put David there. And David was a picture of Christ. David was a picture of what a true king should be like. Unfortunately, since that day, there has never been another theocracy in the world. Israel was the last theocracy. Theocracy is God's preference of government. Instead, what we have today is every nation decides what kind of government they want. And usually the ones that are the most oppressive wins. That's just how it works. That's why China is communist and, and Russia is, whatever, socialist. And they're trying to overtake Ukraine and make them like them. Even though Ukraine has gained their independence, Russia is trying to steal it all back because Ukraine is rich in, in grains and crops and oil and all these things that Russia wants. Usually the one that's the most oppressive wins. The one that wins the war wins. In America, we have a very different thing. We have a two-party system. And so we're, we just voted or we're voting on Tuesday Early voting just ended for the midterm elections where we're voting for our governor, our, our, uh, our judges, our representatives, all these people, not the president, but all these local politicians. And the reality is, unless you go study what these people represent and who they are, you just don't know, do you? You just don't know. You're like Republican or Democrat. Sometimes they'll throw in a libertarian. Sometimes they'll throw in the Green Party person but you don't know who they, they are. You, you go in, there's like 20 something options, 20 something ballots You got to cast and you have to choose who you're going to vote for. So what I want to do quickly is I want to throw up the comparison chart of the most, probably the most important pol- p- political race right now, which is uh, the one between Abbott and Beto O'Rourke. Um, now this is just the facts of the matter. Um, This is not an endorsement one way or the other, Uh, but soft on crime policies are fueling record crime. Abbott agrees with that, Beto disagrees with that. increase in domestic drilling to reduce gas prices. Uh, Abbott agrees, Beto disagrees. Parents' rights curriculum. This is basically that parents should have more control in the children's education instead of teaching progressive ideology or CRT or gender theory. And uh, Abbott agrees, and Betho disagrees. Males in female sports, that biological males identifying as females are entitled to participate in female-only sports. Abbott disagrees, Betho agrees. Parents' rights in school choice that children should not be forced to stay in an underperforming school, but rather empower parents to choose the school that is best fit, since they pay taxes. Abbott agrees, Betho disagrees. Schools to ban critical race theory, which is based in Marxism, rejects God, family, and equality. Abbott agrees. Beto disagrees. Late-term abortion. Not early abortion. Late-term abortion. Where taxpayers should pay for abortion, allowing abortion after a baby can survive outside the womb, including up to the moment before birth. Based on broad factors related to the mother's well-being. Abbott disagrees with this. Beto agrees with this. Election integrity about voter ID requiring state to issue photo IDs to ensure fair and safe, secure elections. Abbott agrees. Beto disagrees. Immigration to defund sanctuary cities. Abbott agrees. Beto disagrees. The border to tear down the wall. Abbott disagrees. Beto agrees. Self-defense and gun rights to uh, gun bans and gun seizures. Laws that hurt law-abiding citizens. Criminals don't abide by laws. It's dangerous to empower government agency to disarm law-abiding criminals. Abbott agrees. Beto disagrees. Protection for churches. It is unconstitutional for government to punish churches and religious organizations for rejecting progressivism. Abbott agrees. Beto disagrees. Lockdowns. Government exceeded authority. Government exceeded its authority by imposing lockdown on businesses and churches, arbitrarily determining what qualified as essential services and imposing mandates. Abbott disagrees and Beto disagrees. They only agree on one thing. They couldn't be more different from each other. That's the the options we're given. There's really no personality. What it boils down to is where the heart of God lies on these issues. And, And there is no way that I can in good conscience ever support a candidate or a party that endorses abortion and believes it to be healthcare. It is not healthcare, it is murder, bottom line. Bottom line, there is no other way around that. So we have a national political system, we have a world political system And then we have kingdom-minded politics, which is what the Christian faith should be about. But unfortunately, this is what we got going on. Have you ever heard of Cambridge Analytica? Really? Wow. Okay, I put a link in the notes. Cambridge Analytica is a data company that was hired to influence the last election for president. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but Cambridge Analytica partnered up with Facebook. This has actually been revealed in CNN, uh, C-SPAN. You go to like the Senate hearings with Cambridge Analytica and Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg, remember how he was sitting there answering questions and they're like, he looks weird. That was about this. Cambridge Analytica was hired and partnered with Facebook to spread information, uh, false stories, as a social experiment. That's what it was for. It was ran as a social experiment to try and figure out if they could influence people's decision for president. This is not a secret. This was on the Senate hearings. You can go and watch them. You can listen to them. They even have transcripts about it. The CEO of Cambridge Analytica and the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, of Facebook was there. They were talking about this. This is exactly what they intended to do. Donald Trump got elected because of the information that was spread by Cambridge Analytica. So they say. They believe they influenced that day. In world politics... There is something that has been happening. I know, I feel you too. It's sad, I know. In world politics, something else has been happening. Leaders in other nations have been replaced. There's a link I just sent you, or it's on the notes. Um, The Prime Minister of England, UK, uh, Boris Johnson, was outed like several months back. He was the prime minister for a long time. He was a big deal. He's important. But he finally made a lot of people mad, so they kicked him out. They elected a new person. Her name was Liz Truss. She was a very bright, intelligent woman. Everybody liked her. You know how long she lasted? 45 days. The prime minister of England, this is like our president, right? The prime minister of England lasted 45 days and she resigned. So you know what happens in their government? They just replace her. There's no other election. There's, you know, nobody in second chair to like take the place. No, no. They just decide, okay, we have these two options. Who do we choose? They chose some dude that no one had ever heard of to replace the prime minister of England. This is a big deal. And this guy's name is Rishi Sunak. There's a link there about who this person is on Business Insider. His father-in-law is this multi-billionaire technology guru who does business with Russia and wants to create the, the microchips that goes into all of the future money that they're trying to create, which we're going to get into the economic stuff next week. It's pretty bizarre what they're trying to do. Um, but that's who he's connected with. This guy is, is uh, kind of a no-name. All of a sudden now he is the prime minister of the UK. Can you imagine that? Now that is just one case. This has been happening throughout the world. You can go look it up. Sri Lanka, uh, their, their head of state resigned because of a fuel shortage and people pretty much overtook his palace and he had to flee for his life. Uh, This happened in uh, Cambodia. Uh, The head of state resigned there. I mean, I could list off 12 different nations that have lost their leadership. The government has been um, falling apart. I think it's in Finland where the government's pretty much falling apart. They don't know what to do. This is not just like, Oh, America's great. We got, you know, Donald Trump's going to be our president again. Really? Like, that is not what's happening. There's so much stuff happening all over the world politically that has to happen. Because the scriptures tell us that eventually the world will get in such a mess financially and with food shortages in scripture, it tells us that they have to find someone to solve the problem and bring the world together. Hello? Hello? So this is all just a picture of the future, of what's coming. And unfortunately, what's going to happen for us as Americans is we're going to be, shall I say, we're going to find it normal for governments to be destabilized often. When it used to be everything was real established, real steady, real stable, we're going to find it normal for things to start crumbling around the world And I hate to say it, but eventually, there is no room in the last days for a sovereign nation like America. It just doesn't exist. America eventually will not be what we know it to be. When it comes to kingdom politics, we serve Christ and Christ alone. I do not bow to any party. I do not bow to the Republicans. I do not bow to the Democrats. I do not bow to our political system. I do not nationalism. No, 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 I serve a king in his kingdom and it's not of this world. And we should vote that way. Should you vote? Yes, you should. Because God expects us to steward what we've been given. We didn't choose this system. We were born into it, we're Americans, we need to be proud of who we are, but ultimately we need to be proud of who we serve and we serve Jesus. And that being said, until our political system changes, we should do whatever we possibly can to influence the system. Imagine if the church, the body of Christ truly voted. You know, they say about 30% of Christians vote. Imagine if we just voted. How much that would influence the elections. How much that would influence the government. Like, we don't even have to run for office. What if we just got the sticker? It's amazing what could happen. So yes, you should vote. But understand that who you vote for should represent the values that the Bible upholds. Not your preferences, not what you were taught in school. It should be what scripture says it should be. If you are a Christian, you should pay attention to the political events of the day because it impacts your children's lives tomorrow. A lot of people don't like to Think about politics, because politics is weird. I remember going to college, taking political science. I said, get me out of that class, please. I mean, all it was was just a bunch of people arguing about their candidates. I mean, it was just annoying. It was like the most annoying thing. It's like watching CNN or Fox News 24 hours a day. Just eventually, just gets very, very annoying. But at the same time, we have to pay attention because we're raising children. And if we don't do our part to steer things a certain way, what do we leave our children? What are we leaving our grandchildren? You might think, oh, I, I don't vote. It's not really something. It's not my thing. No, no, no. It's not my thing either. But we have to do something to put our stamp and say, this is what we believe in, and this is what we're going to do. to vote for someone who believes we should give puberty blockers to children and make sure that their parents don't find out about it because the children have a right to privacy. That's what they say. So all over the country now we have an educational system where a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people are believing that if a child under the age of 12, comes to them and says, I want to be a boy or I want to be a girl. We don't have to tell mom and dad that that's what they want, but we can let them get these things because it's their right. I cannot vote for someone who believes that. I cannot vote for someone who supports that. And if we don't want that to be normal and standard and legal, we have to do something about it. We have to say what we think. And voting is the way that we do that. Here's the thing. We have a lot of Herods in the political world. And it's hard to tell who's who until they get eaten by worms. It's hard. There's a little bit more here about this whole Russian versus Ukraine issue. There's some problems going on unless you paid attention. You just don't know about it. I gave you a link. There's a picture there about the Nord Stream Pipeline. You can throw that up. Now, if you look at this, you've got Russia over there. And then you've got Germany over here. And there are these pipelines that run from Germany to Russia. You know what they're sending through these pipelines? Natural gas. You know what they use this natural gas for? To heat their homes. This is so that they can actually like have the heater on because they do things very different in Europe and how they heat their homes. So here's what's happened. Because of the war in Ukraine, there's been a lot of tension between all these nations and Russia. Someone, they don't know who, this pipeline, in three places. This is not an accident. They discovered the the, the devices, they discovered that there was actually explosives there. Somewhere along this way in the Baltic Sea right there, they put three different devices and blew up the pipeline and gas was spilling. This natural gas was spilling into the water. It became a very, very dangerous situation. And no one's saying who it was or they don't know, or they don't want to say. The reality is simple, though. If they don't fix this, if they don't figure it out, then this winter, Europe will not be able to heat their homes. This is a political issue. It's a very dramatic issue. Another weird thing that's happening is Iran has agreed to help Russia. Iran. China has agreed to help Russia. And in the process, everyone has lost respect for America. People are laughing at our president. It's actually a sad thing what's going on. People are laughing at our political system. People don't view America like they did in the past. Our vice president can't seem to be focused on anything. It seems like she's on a game show every time she's talking, like she just won a prize. I don't understand what's happening when she talks. The third in line is Nancy Pelosi. This is a problem. This is a real problem. The fact that the American government looks the way it looks right now and operates the way it operates right now, these are the people that are responsible for keeping us safe. These are the people responsible with our tax money. And it's a problem. But we don't know anything about our dealings or their dealings or their handlings we don't know anything about you know, their details and how they're doing their jobs. We don't, we don't understand you know, all the national issues because we don't like politics, because it's too hypocritical. But we know everything about Kanye and Adidas. I think about that for a second. We don't want to talk about politics, it's too messy. Oh, but did you hear about Kanye? Do you hear about what happened here? What he said? Do you hear about Kyrie Irving, how he got suspended? Oh my gosh, he's not gonna get to play five games. But the moment we bring up politics, it's like, nah, we don't need to talk about that. That's not important. <laughs> what are we doing? Where is our mind at? See, Americans have become professionals at paying attention to the minors and missing the majors altogether. So please, learn who these people are. Learn what they represent. Learn what they believe in. Listen to what they say, because contrary to popular belief, they actually tell you what they think. They do. They tell you what they think and how they're going to proceed if they get elected. This, this is not searching for perfect candidates. No one, none of these people are perfect by any means. It really is always a lesser of two evils. That's the, the harsh reality of our current situation. But by all means, vote. Vote and do it according to the values that we hold through scripture. Our republic actually depends on it. It really does. Because one day we may not get that opportunity again. And we're going to go, I wish I would have voted. I wish I would have done my part. Worship team, you can come up. What you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. What does all that have to do with the return of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. In Matthew 25, Jesus says some very interesting things in verse 31. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, You blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came to me then the righteous will answer him saying lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and gave you drink when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Let's stand. <clears throat> One day, Christ is going to look at the nations of the world, all nations. And he's going to choose who actually did their part, who actually served him, who actually preached the gospel, who actually followed the way of the word of God. What was he saying? He was saying in a nutshell, you need to learn to stay on mission Stay on mission, stay focused on the cause of Christ, because one day he will choose and he will separate the fake from the real. I know it's not a popular thing to say anymore in church, but there is a standard you must live to, and Christ is expecting you to live to that standard. And if you, and your heart is not 100% sold out to him, there's no way he's going to choose someone like that. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my father. You want to be a true Christian? Stay focused on the cause of Christ. Stay on mission. What does that look like? What do you mean? Well, Jesus just said it. If I was hungry, you fed me. If I, you gave me drink. If I was thirsty, you, you gave me drink. If I was naked, you clothed me. If, if I, if I was in prison, you visited me. He gave all this list. Why? Because sometimes the simplest thing we could do is just just serve other people. That's what the You Matter Feast is all about. That's what it's all about. That's why we do it. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. Because it means nothing to shout from the rooftops our political views, right or wrong, and not share with someone who is in need. Because here's the danger that the American church learns. They learn to just get everything right, get it looking right, but in the process, there's no substance. We need to have the substance too. We need to have the reality too. The practical needs of people need to be met too. And when we do that, We're never more like the King than when we serve someone else. That's kingdom politics. I'm telling you to vote, go vote. You got one more shot on Tuesday, go do it. Vote Christian values, but in the process, make sure you're on mission. Make sure you're focused on the cause of Christ. Make sure you're serving The only thing that can rescue our nation from the chaos it's in, the only thing that can rescue our world from the chaos it's in, is you building a relationship with Jesus in every area of your life and every daily interaction. Believe it or not, the body of Christ is the hope of the world. The Bible says we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. Really, the church standing up and being the true church is the solution. We're not going to solve Washington and their drama and their politics. We're going to just give them Jesus. We're going to serve people. Because we love them and because we love the God that we serve. Our nation needs to be rescued. And it happened because we talk about it. We have to do something about it. You only get one shot every two years to vote for the local stuff, and you only get one shot every four years to vote for the national stuff. But you get every single day to be a kingdom person. So take every opportunity you can to be true to political realities according to the Bible. But take every day to serve Jesus the way you're supposed to serve Jesus. You ready to worship? We're going to worship before we leave. If you need prayer for anything, once want you come on up. We want to pray with you. Some of you that are on the prayer team, just come and we'll lay hands on you. And believe if you got people that are sick at home or you're believing for a new job or whatever. If you want prayer, just come forward. Let's worship. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website. PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.